you're listening to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers, a podcast that explores the world of K-12 education as it intersects with the Christian faith. You might call us extreme moderates. We're skeptics who try not to be cynics and are allergic to cheap rhetoric. Welcome to the show. Hello, podcast friends. Welcome back to Not Many of You Should Become Teachers. This is a little bit of an interlude episode. Dave here doing a solo episode as Riley and I retool and pivot and consider what this podcast might mean for us and for you as listeners moving forward. It certainly has been a challenging and an interesting month in the time since we last released an episode. And of course, all of education, all of our lives, the world itself has seemingly turned on its side and there are new challenges and living amidst global pandemic and all of the emotional and the economic toll that this is taking. Certainly in the education world, in the world of faith, in our church communities, all of that. So a warm welcome to you. Let me just explain how we're going to kind of pivot this a little bit today. We have been in the midst of a book club, interestingly enough, titled The Grand Paradox, and the subtitle has renewed meaning for us. The Messiness of Life, The Mystery of God, and The Necessity of Faith. This is by local Pacific Northwest author Ken Weitzma, who lives down in Bend, Oregon. And this was the book that we gave to our graduating class at the, at the school where Riley and I teach. They were each given a book, the graduates, as they graduated last year. And as we look forward in a few months to the grad class of 2020, there is a lot of unknown. There's a lot of messiness. There's a lot of mystery. And faith is needed more than ever before, but not in cheap ways, not in ways that are flattening of the human experience, but hopefully enriching and deepening. And so before we dive into that, I just want to share briefly one of the things that has been massively meaningful to framing some of the work I've been doing with my students as we have come to grips with our condition, the temporary condition we find ourselves in. Even as we've been away from our podcast, we've not been away from our screens, we've not been absent from our students, even though we're away from them physically. And this uh, was a quote, and I'm going to read it. I will post it on the website also, the link to uh, to this actual doc that I shared with students. Um, It's called On Our Temporary Conditions. And we certainly are in a temporary condition. It may not feel temporary. This will be temporary in our lives, uh, but it has massive transformational uh, impact. And we just don't know that yet. There's a lot of mystery there. This comes from uh, Ross Duthat's uh, New York Times article column that he wrote on Easter weekend. And I, I read this and uh, Ross Duthat, is, he's a conservative Catholic writing in the New York Times. Uh, so just a, an interesting interplay of, I, I appreciate his voice in that context. And he quoted a Dominican theologian, Catholic theologian named Father Thomas Joseph White. And I just want to read this for you because I think it has a, a, a powerful insight 
into what this might mean for our time. And so this is what uh, Ross Duthat of the New York Times writes. He says, Dominican theologian Father Thomas Joseph White wrote this week for Catholic Journal First Things in a message directed specifically to Christians inclined to rebel against the quarantines that have closed so many churches. There is a religious duty to interpret the present moment, not just seek to endure it or to escape from it. It's not just about endurance, friends. It's not just about grin and bear it. It's not just escapism, uh, although there's lots of opportunity for that, certainly in the media realm. Uh, but there might be a religious or a spiritual dimension to us interpreting what might this present moment mean. So he quotes Father Thomas Joseph White, and he says this, What does it mean that God has permitted or willed? Interesting, right? Does God, clearly God is allowing this to happen, but... Uh, what role does the idea of willing, does God make this happen? What is the purpose behind this? That's a theological question. What does it mean that God has permitted or willed temporary conditions in which our elite lifestyle of international travel is grounded, our consumption cut to a minimum, our days are occupied with basic responsibility toward our families and immediate communities, our resources and economic hopes are reduced, and we are made more dependent upon one another. What does it mean that our nations suddenly seem less potent, our armies are infected by an invisible contagion they cannot eradicate, and that the most technologically advanced countries face the humility of their limits? Remember, he's asking, what does this all mean? We might think none of this tells us anything about ourselves or about God's compassion and justice, but if we seek to pass through all this in hasty expectation of a return to normal, perhaps we are missing the fundamental point of the exercise. So as we go back to Ken Weitzma one last time to the Grand Paradox, I want to refresh us from the introduction when he says on the very first page of the book, in short, the truth is this, life is messy and God is mysterious. And uh, don't we know that to be true all the more so that our lives have become perhaps more complicated, even as they've become simplified in terms of our mobility or in terms of our physical interactions, uh, it's messy. And uh, for those of you who have kids at home, those of you who are in environments that it's difficult to um, continue your work in the way that uh, you've done it as an educator, as a teacher, this is, uh, these are messy times. God is also mysterious, uh, just as we were uh, listening to and consider before from uh, Thomas Joseph White, this idea of God permitting versus God willing. And uh, we're almost dabbling a little bit into the theodicy question of God and suffering and a good God, a benevolent God. And uh, so, as we live in the midst of this paradox, Weitzma invites us uh, in his book, The Grand Paradox. And so I'm going to skip ahead. We, uh, we left off uh, in some previous chapters, but I was reading through chapter 10, for those of you who have the book. And chapter 10 is on complexity and the limits of human understanding. And so there's a sort of a sweeping, one of the things I love about what, what Weizmann can do is he can take sweeping philosophical understanding, give you sort of a broad survey of 
of the philosophical tradition, both Christian and non, and then offer sort of contemporary insight into what this means for local churches, what this means for contemporary 21st century Christian folk uh, in their variety of contexts, particularly North America. And I do appreciate that, that Weitzma is well attuned to the fact that we're in North America. And so he spends much of chapter 10 talking, uh, again, this was written in 2015, so five years ago, totally pre-COVID-19, pre all of that. And he's talking about social media, he talks about screens, he talks about a longing for solitude. And uh, this certainly will sound familiar. For some of us, this uh, may be familiar as sort of um, a critique uh, pushing back against, and that might be a familiar critique for you, that we're oversaturated in our social media and it's limiting our uh, interactions with one another, even as we're more connected uh, than ever before. He talks about advertising, uh, all of this, the idea of being interrupted, our, our attention spans, uh, all of that. I mean, our own podcast production can sort of fall into uh, some of these dangers. And he talks about finding your own rhythm uh, and being careful as we choose our narratives that we want to live into, um, cognizant of escapism and getting out of the midst, uh, out of confusion and, and the idea of wrestling. And uh, it just spoke to me anew as we are navigating not just social media, but distance learning and interacting with our students, disembodied from our students at various levels. My son is in kindergarten, and I'm seeing the tremendous work that his teacher is doing. And it's completely different work than what I'm doing when I get to log in and uh, spend uh, some, some virtual time, both synchronously and asynchronously with high school students and teenagers who can actually email me or shoot me a message, that type of thing. And so I just recognize the tremendous complexity of this dynamic. Uh, he goes on and he does some good cultural analysis. One of uh, the chapters later on in the book is called Mother Kirk, which is the church. And uh, he quotes Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the 20th century German theologian, from his book Life Together, what he what Bonhoeffer calls Christian brother, brotherhood. And so this idea of living uh, together. And uh, so that, that somewhat overused, but what we yearn and long for in new ways right now is that sense of Christian community. And of course, speaking of against consumer Christianity and us doing this on our own. And so our hope has been, and one of the things that's been really cool in this podcast is to see the connections we've made, not just in our own school community, uh, but with many of you online in various spaces. I'm thinking back now in our pre- pandemic times to travel when we headed over to Calvin in Michigan and got to interact with people in real time and face to face and uh, just wonderful memories in a sense that has um, that has fortified us for this time. One of the most meaningful chapters was chapter 14, spiritual fatigue or the dark night of the soul. And he spends a good amount of time at the beginning describing his hometown, which is Bend, Oregon, a lovely community uh, in the foothills. And uh, he talks about the, you know, the dogs that live there and the, the microbreweries and the pubs and the, you know, just the, the, the climate is nice. And all these things, he says, if you scratch beneath the surface of what seems to be the good life, very quickly, he, he talks a little bit about how that community that, that he and his family live in never fully recovered from 
the Great Recession uh, of 2008, 2009, the economic downturn. And I can only imagine now the the layers, the, the veneer of our own lives, thinking again back to Thomas Joseph White, right, about our elite lifestyle. Um, those of us who have traveled, be it internationally or, or flown in planes, our consumption levels, these types of things, our, our, our own resources. And this can have a spiritual impact on us. And so, friends, I cannot help but but conclude this book with our present temporary conditions in mind. Every chapter, he ends with a scripture. And the one that he ended with, The Dark Night of the Soul, is Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. The next chapter is about blessing, and that's another overused Christian word. And I love how he deconstructs that. And it concludes with James Chapter 1, not far from our own verse about not many of you should become teachers, but it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And if our lives feel like anything, they are like shifting shadows uh, of our former lives in many ways. And so be encouraged this, uh, for some of you, for some of us, this may be seen as a gift. This is a gift of time. Uh, we are forced into a different reckoning with time as educators and as human beings. And so, uh, grand paradox indeed is, is what I wanted to call this episode because this certainly is paradoxical time. This is a time that we did not expect Uh, for an academic or a school year to uh, function in the way that it is, but it's doing that by necessity. The very final section is something called Between the Gardens, and Weitzman is borrowing from theologian and writer C.S. Lewis uh, in his consideration of uh, Between the Garden of Gethsemane and uh, the Garden at the End of, of Time. And this beautiful image of us living in that messy middle. Uh, But he quotes... In his final chapter, Soren Kierkegaard, Christian philosopher, that life must be lived forward, but can only be understood backward. And so we will be making sense of this. Um, I I don't want to speak too grandiosely, but I'm pretty sure that COVID-19 and this time in in 2020 and however long this goes, uh, will be something that we will be pondering or considering or will be defining for us, not just in our our teaching experience and our practice. We'll always sort of remember that, uh, but in our very lived experiences as humans. And uh, so this has taken on a slightly more um, broad uh, sense. Not many of you should become teachers. Uh, the, the many of us are all human. And so be encouraged, uh, listener, and uh, those of you who stuck with us with the podcast. I just want to give you a, a little sense of what we hope uh, to see in the coming weeks. And, and we'll, we'll talk about sort of schedule and, and um, we're, we're not putting ourselves into, we're not committing to sort of a, a set schedule, but do stay tuned and, and hopefully you signed up so that you get our latest episodes pushed to you in your app of choice, etc. We have uh, a few interviews that we're excited to 
um, both record and launch for you. Um, folks that are all over the place and things, uh, different experiences, different contexts. And uh, we hope that not many of you should become teachers will become a valuable resource, perhaps in a new way for you uh, in this time. Uh, when you are spending a lot of time on your screens, when there's a lot of things that you can be listening to, we are very grateful that you uh, are sticking with us and uh, providing with us with some feedback. So next time it will be Riley and me. Uh, we look forward to hosting uh, some more guests on our show and continuing this vital conversation of faith and learning, the intersection of them uh, lived in these various challenging times and we are grateful for this conversation and what it can mean for us moving forward so if you would like to get a hold of us we are on twitter at not many of you stay tuned uh, for that our website is not many of you.com we've got all the episodes on there you can go back this would be a wonderful time to go back and have a listen to uh, some of the stuff maybe get caught up uh, we don't even mind if you listen to us at two times speed right to get caught up on some of these things we've got the whole grand paradox book club as well and uh, lots of great interviews in the archive uh, in the vault that uh, you can go back to and listen with maybe newly attuned ears in this time. Uh, what else? Yes, if you could give us a five-star review rating, it will help others find this conversation in these important times. And uh, we'd love for you to leave a review and comments. You can email us, tweet, uh, it's the same, not many of you at gmail.com. Email us, tweet us, uh, message us, uh, etc. All that contact information is on the website, and it would be great to hear from you. And if you or you know somebody or a voice that's important in education, Christian education, philosophy, uh, Christian thought for our contemporary time, uh, that would be a great interview, do let us know because we are all ears at this point in our production of not many of you. So as we send you off this week into your various virtual spaces, uh, be encouraged and know that God is with you in your classrooms, in your virtual spaces and what you're doing with students online. All the very best and we will see you next time. <laughs>